This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. All right, go ahead. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beat show. And man, it's hard to believe that just two weeks ago, Georgia football won its second consecutive national championship. I see uh, Christy giving me the prompt there. Wake up, Mike. I'm awake. Uh, just a little glitch in our direction. Never really know uh, when the show is going to start tonight. So apologize for the slow start. But yeah, two weeks ago, um, a lot's happened in two weeks. And certainly uh, a lot going back to the championship celebration last weekend. Um, some tough times, I think, uh, for Georgia fans and for the program at a time when, you know, you say, gosh, you know, everything should be great. Everything should be, you know, wonderful. And yet there's been so much attrition to the program, uh, off field issues and, um, you know, life. It's it's just kind of one of those deals where you just say, man, you just can't believe everything that's happening. But you know, Kirby Smart and the administration doing what they can to manage it. Uh, not all bad news, though. Some good news today with Stetson Bennett winning the Manning Award. And, and Stetson's got a great opportunity ahead of him now, uh, talking with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, uh, to go down there and compete. And if there's one thing that Stetson Bennett's always wanted and asked for, it's the ability to compete. And in high school, he didn't have that opportunity. You didn't get to see Stetson go to the Elite Eleven and compete against those other quarterbacks. Now he's got a chance to go shoulder to shoulder and go through that drill work and show these NFL scouts what he's all about. I saw some odds posted today, and uh, I was thinking about doing a story on it. I still might, where they talk about what are the odds that Stetson Bennett gets drafted. And the odds are against it, right? The odds that they put out are against it. Now, I don't know where you make these bets. I'm, I'm not a gambler per se, um, but I think that's interesting that the odds makers are saying, <coughs> excuse me, saying there's a better chance um, that Stetson doesn't go in the first seven rounds. And if he does, I'm looking at this release right here. Uh, it looks like uh, a 40 percent chance that he goes undrafted, a 28 percent chance that he goes in the seventh round. So they're saying that a 68% chance that Stetson goes seventh round or undrafted another 25% chance. He goes in the fifth round, only a 3.8% chance that he goes in the second round. Um, an 11.1% chance he goes in the third round. So, I mean, the odds are against Stetson, but look, the odds have been against Stetson before and, you know, he's been able to persevere and prevail in Georgia's system. Well, now he's going to a different type of system. He's going to an NFL system. And things are going to be different in terms of how they evaluate, uh, in terms of what they're looking for. And, you know, I think that's why this opportunity for Stetson to go to the Senior Bowl is so important, because he'll have an opportunity to play for the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And you might say, well, you know, what's the relevance of that? Relevance of that? Well, the relevance of that is that the Bears have a system that's set up for Justin Fields, a very mobile quarterback like Stetson. And so 
if he gets this opportunity to play for the Chicago Bears uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Luke Getze, then he gets a chance to show that he can work in an NFL system and that it's not all Todd Munkin. You know, and then also both Munkin and Stetson have been very transparent that they haven't always gotten along. And NFL teams, obviously, when they go to invest a lot of money into a player, they want to find out everything about him. And this can give Stetson a chance to show how coachable he can be. And that, you know, the the Bennett Munkin thing was just kind of a Georgia thing, that that's that's not a matter of like Stetson being hard to work with. I mean, you didn't hear anything about Stetson having any issues with Jim Chaney. So I think that the FaceTime would help Stetson out. I think the opportunity to compete against the other quarterbacks that are going to be there. I know Max Duggan is one of them. Uh, I, I think the opportunity to work around other players and, and show the leadership skills and then show the arm talent that he worked on from year one to year two. This year's version of Stetson Bennett I thought was much better in terms of his footwork and his pocket presence. Now, is it good enough to make that leap to the league? Maybe. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people compare him to – to uh, Purdy, you know, the 49ers quarterback. Now, Purdy 6'1", 222, Stetson's 5'11", 185, 190. Now, do we think there's a big difference? I mean, it didn't seem like there was at Georgia. I know Bryce Young isn't the biggest guy in the world either, and he's being talked about as the number one quarterback. So if you're going to say that Bryce Young can be the number one overall pick in the draft at quarterback, then how can you say in the next breath, that Stetson Bennett's too small. So, but still the proof is in the pudding and these NFL teams, they evaluate on what you do on your season. They talk to your coaching staff and what will the Georgia coaches say about Stetson? I mean, not publicly, but behind closed doors. I don't know. What will Todd Munkin say about it? I don't know. Um, this part of the draft process is kind of your your a job interview. You get one week in Mobile to go side by side. It's not about your teammates. You can't say, oh, well, you know, he just got it done because he's playing for Georgia and Georgia's better than the other team at every single position. You can't say that at the Senior Bowl. You can't say, oh, he just got it done because he's got the best defense in the country like he had at Georgia. No, you can't say that. Everything is broken down into individual drills and it's an all-star game format. I think it benefits Stetson because, and I said this last week, and some people on Twitter, you know, kind of came back hard and fast on me. I said, this is the kind of situation where Stetson would do well. And they said, well, what do you mean by that? Well, in all-star games, you don't have a lot of time to put in offense, obviously. And there's not a lot of familiarity with the call. So you have to keep things pretty vanilla and pretty basic on offense. So because of that, defenses can't blitz and they can't get too complex in their coverages. So it leads to more playmaking opportunities and scramble drills. And, and I kind of think that's what Stetson does well. I think when I think about Stetson at his best, you know, and I remember his career and covering Georgia football the last five years, it seemed like he, I felt like he was at his best sometimes off the scramble. It didn't happen a lot. Um, you know, most of the time Munkin had drawn it up where the guy that was supposed to be open was open and, um, and Stetson put it, you know, in the vicinity where a guy like Brock Bowers or Kenny McIntosh can make a catch. And there was a lot of yards after the catch, uh, a couple deep balls, those throws to AD Mitchell, I think we'll remember 
forever in the championship game against Alabama. And, um, you know, this year, the anticipation that he had with AD breaking on the out. But when I think of big time stats and plays, a lot of them were, were scrambles for me or throws that he made off the run. And I just felt like there was a big jump between last year and this year for Stetson. A part of it was that the offense was designed more around him this year. Whereas last year he kind of got thrown into the fire when, when JT was injured and kept having the recurring upper body injuries. They kind of threw Stetson in the fire and Munkin kind of had to figure it out as they went. And uh, it was impressive. Um, obviously and 2021 was impressive for many reasons, just as 2022 I don't know that I really have a favorite between the two years. I think that they were both really cool and really good in their own way. Um, I don't know the 2021 versus 2022 game who wins that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it depends on the circumstance. I'd probably lean a little bit towards 2021 just because of all the talent on defense. And I don't know how much 2022 would really move the ball. I kind of think of how about Missouri's front stoned them. And, and how that created problems for him. makes me think 2022 would have had trouble moving the ball. But on the flip side, you know, 2022 was resilient and found ways to win. So the argument goes both ways. Um, 2022 Stetson, though, was much better than 2021 Stetson in my book. You know, and Stetson's not the only person at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Kenny McIntosh is going to be down there. And Kenny really, I don't know if you saw the back-to-back, you know, Kenny's the other guy up there and, and Kirby chose to speak about Kenny at the championship ceremony. There was a reason for that. I think Kirby recognized that Kenny kind of got the short end of the stick on a lot of the publicity. And when you think about, you know, a player that was really indisposable, you know, Kenny really carried the team in November when, when Stetson did have some rough, rough passing games, they went to the ground game heavily against tech against Kentucky and Kenny McIntosh really produced big in both of those games. Missouri was the game that Kirby talked about, Kenny kind of willing the team, putting the team on his back in the fourth quarter there when they were struggling. Uh, and he'll be down at the Senior Bowl. And I wonder how high can can Kenny go? James Cook was a second-round pick last year. Uh, Zamir went in the fourth round. So that tells me probably between the second and the fourth round for Kenny McIntosh. The Senior Bowl is going to be big for him. He's going to have an opportunity to run routes uh, for all those NFL folks that are there. And, and for those of you who don't, understand how it works it's not just like a high school all-star game it's nothing like that it's really technical and this year they're divvying the staff up with a lot of different coaches from a lot of different nfl teams so you are going to have access to basically half the teams in the nfl are going to get an up close and personal with the players for those three practices in addition to the meetings that they have with them right so it's really a nice opportunity for the different coaching staffs to kind of get a read on a guy, see how quick he picks up things, see how coachable he is, see how he moves in the drills, see what types of systems and schemes it looks like he works well in. And it's individualized, right? It's not about watching the whole team. And so when you go down there and you see all the drill work, I mean, the field is literally encircled with hundreds, hundreds of NFL personnel from head coaches from the NFL, owners, general managers, uh, scouts, and they're all there to look at different prospects that they're looking at drafting. It's just one part of the process. I mean, you've also still have the combine ahead, and I would imagine that all these guys at the Senior Bowl from Georgia will all get combine invites. 
I think you'll probably see 10, 9, 10 guys from Georgia at the NFL Combine. That's another part of the process. So they got their game film. They watched all season long. You know, then they're going to see in your all-star game if you're, if you're, you know, one of the elite players, one of the elite seniors that gets an invitation. So they get to work with you up close and personal, see you in a football setting in football drills. Then they get to go to the combine where they get to see you perform in these other drills and kind of see where you're at athletically and how you test out, again, relative to the other players around you, the actual height, the actual weight. Uh, they do the medical on you where their team doctors take a look at you. I think you remember Stetson had the shoulder injury against Florida. He came back from that. I think he played through a shoulder injury this year. They'll probably want to take a look at that. I think it's fine. But teams really inspect these guys and, and go through everything because they're getting ready to invest millions or, or not. And, of course, Georgia has their pro day uh, where the guys who don't get invited to the combine get to work out. Or sometimes players um, aren't ready to test out in certain events at the combine and they wait until the Georgia pro day. And that's another opportunity for NFL head coaches and teams to see the players up close and personal. I think the last few years, Georgia's had all 32 NFL teams there represented. And I know Mike Tomlin was there last year to look up close at, at, at George Pickens. And I remember watching Mike watch Pickens and then seeing Mike Tomlin talk to the Pickens family. And I said on Pittsburgh radio, I think, you know, your coach is going to pick George. And he did. And I think Pickens was a steal for him. So there's probably, I'd say maybe three or four teams at least that have an interest in Stetson Bennett because of his mobility, uh, because he's played on championship teams. He's been a part of that. Uh, I think his resiliency is attractive to teams. And I think he could fit in systems. The Bears are one of those teams. And their coach is coming, and he's going to want to work with Stetson. I think the Falcons are one of those teams. I think today's news and Dog Nation broke the news about Stetson signing with a new contract agent that also represents Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tungvaluwa. These are two other mobile quarterbacks. So if the agent is trying to sign Stetson or has signed Stetson, you know, maybe he's thinking that Stetson, you know, could be the backup for Tua or Mahomes in the NFL. Again, two more mobile quarterbacks. I also think Stetson is attractive in the sense of, you know, he's going to make a lot of money with his story. I don't know how it gets told or when it gets told or, or, you know, any of that sort of thing. But I, I think there's still some marketing value there. I know Everett sports management has re-upped with Stetson. Um, they also work with Brock Bowers and Nick Chubb, uh, just to name a couple more guys. Jonathan Taylor comes to mind. Um, Jalen Hurts. So Stetson is in with some very impressive clientele. And typically that's, that's a nice marker to kind of tell you that if the agents think they want to sign him, the agents have an idea what the NFL is thinking. Now it's up to Stetson to follow through and compete and fare well and interview. Well, he's got to do those things again. He's got to separate and put George behind him and move into the NFL version of Stetson, which basically means he has to humble himself again. Everybody does, not just Stetson. Kenny McIntosh, uh, Warren Mc all the guys, when you go into the league, it's just like when the recruits come into Georgia. What you did does not matter anymore. You're signing a contract.
thing. Now, I'm not saying that there's not leadership and there's not some esprit de corps in the NFL, but it's not to the level that it is at Georgia. And so it's going to be up to Stett to prove that he can mix in to the NFL. And, you know, of course, it's ironic if he were to go to the Bears. I mean, Stetson told Eli Manning, and, and I wrote it in the story, he didn't want to compete with Justin Fields. He didn't want anything to do with it. That's why he got out of here. So he left and went to Jones. And when Fields left, Stett came back. Well, in the NFL, it's different. If Stetson can get a job as a backup quarterback, that's a pretty good job to have. I'm not saying that he could never start, and but I don't think he's going to be picked. I'm kind of with the odds maker in that I don't think he's going to be picked in the first three or four rounds. I, I just don't. I could be wrong, but and if you're not picked in the first three or four rounds, they're not really picking you to be a starter, right? Because it's not like guys are graduating from the NFL. Everybody's keeping their job until somebody pushes them out the door. Really hard to get a job if you're a quarterback or a punter or a kicker because those guys don't leave on their own, right? You know, a lot of times the careers of linemen, linebackers, running backs, they're a little bit shorter because they're such contact positions, but not so much with kickers, punters, quarterbacks. They have longer career arcs. So this is a tough nut to crack. I'm not saying it can't be done, but there's a process. And the next step in the process is for Stetson to, to go down to Mobile and compete. If he doesn't, that could raise some red flags that he doesn't, you know, because sooner or later he's going to have to compete with these guys side by side. Um, the NFL wants to see more, not just from him, from everybody. Anybody that's not a first or first round pick and gets a senior bowl invite, they're pretty much expected to go um, because it's an opportunity to compete. And that's what they want in the league. Now, I saw the story earlier today about Warren McClendon getting the invite. And this was really exciting to me. I think this is big for Warren. I think Warren is a guy who has a chance to really raise his stock at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, when we think about Broderick Jones, you know, there's your first round pick, right? The big athletic physical guy. Warren, not quite as athletic as Broderick. So the technique that he's learned, remember, he started 37 consecutive games and he learned from a lot of different offensive line coaches. So this opportunity for Warren McClendon to go down there uh, and get coached up and the, and the fact he's wearing Devin Willick's number, I mean, what a special and warm opportunity for Warren McClendon to honor a teammate and also improve his draft stock. We talked about Kenny McIntosh earlier, Chris Smith, another guy that's going to be down there. I can't wait to see soldier Chris, as he calls himself out there competing. I think Chris is a ball hawk. Uh, you know, I said that I thought this was a good game for Stetson. It's a good game for Chris because Chris is a guy that really patrols and has great instincts. And I think he could be a real standout. I remember when Mark Webb went to this game uh, a couple few years back, and I didn't think Mark Webb was an NFL player, to be honest with you. I felt like he was always kind of just one step late, one step behind. Now, that was relative to Richie LeCount and J.R. Reed. Um, but Mark Webb went to this game, and, I mean, he just blew it up. And he got drafted higher than he would have. And I remember he sent that thank you note like, man, you know, and, and I don't know whether it was his position at Georgia that just made it hard for him to shine. But when you put him out there next to the other guys, Webb looked outstanding and really benefited. Last year, Devontae Wyatt um, was not a first round pick before he went to the senior bowl. He dominated in those drills. And that's what got Devontae drafted in the first round. So uh, Jack Pod Leslie, another guy. So, if Stetson accepts his invitation and takes advantage of the opportunity to compete, 
you can have five Georgia Bulldogs there. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, it's something, again, that I look forward to. I like watching the competition. I like watching the Georgia guys, uh, you know, interact. There's going to be a lot of fans down there in Mobile, Alabama. I'll head down there next Tuesday. The first practice is Tuesday. They practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the University of South Alabama football field. It's a really nice stadium. It's free to the public. A lot of people turn out, um, probably do a, a live hit from there or two. I know that some of the players uh, obviously uh, love the Georgia fan base and, um, you know, they're going to want to get back out in front of the Georgia fans too. But, you know, the last couple of weeks uh, been pretty tough. I saw Steve Rogers saying, Mike, staying away from current UGA stories. Steve, this is a current story. Uh, the players are going to the Senior Bowl next week. That's very – it doesn't get much more current than that. You may have missed the start of the show. Uh, I did recap the fact that there's been some difficult things that have happened over the last two weeks. Guys, that's all documented, okay? And I just don't know what I can add to that, and I don't see any reason – to try to speculate any more than what you've already read and heard. Um, it's, these are tough times, okay? And there's an ongoing investigation into that. Um, we all know that Devin Willick and, and, and Chandler tragically passed away in a car accident uh, nine, eight or nine days ago. We all know that. We know that Warren McClendon and another young lady that worked in the recruiting office were also in the accident. We know that, okay? If, if that's your current news, Steve, I can tell you, you can Google it. Um, I know most all of us have read it and, and processed it. And uh, it's it's a tough, unfortunate thing that's happened. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than the fact that Dog Nation has reported the news to you. Uh, you, you probably saw the news uh, about Ra Ra Thomas. I think Connor Riley posted a story on the updated police report, I'll, I'll read you the story. You could read this online, but you know, Steve is asking for the, for what, what he feels is more current. The senior bowl is current as well, but I'll, I'll review this with you. This is a transfer receiver from Mississippi state named Ra Ra Thomas. And according to a UGA police arrest warrant, uh, he allegedly caused bodily harm to the bicep and the shins of a female. She had abrasions on her ship on her shin and a bruise on her bicep, which led to misdemeanor battery charge that he's facing. Uh, he was booked at 4 a.m. this morning um, and Georgia put out a statement and the statement from the University of Georgia is, we are aware of a reported incident involving conduct by one of our student athletes. While we are limited in what we can say about the incident, the report is disappointing and not reflective of the high standards we have for our student athletes on and off the field. In addition to following internal athletic association policies, we will be working closely with our administration to ensure we cooperate fully with all law enforcement and campus protocols. Uh, Thomas has gone on Twitter and said, y'all know I'm not that type of person. Uh, I know better than that. My mama taught me I will never, ever put my hands on a female. Uh, Got to stay away from social media. So that is the update that I have for you on the story, Steve. Um, difficult and tough times. Uh, in some respects for the University of Georgia, but also moving forward into the future for Stetson Bennett and the Georgia football players uh, that are going to be invited to the Senior Bowl. Also, Robert Beal, a guy that uh, is going to be playing in the East-West Shrine game a week from this Thursday. Uh, I've got Robert's number. I'm going to give him a call. I'll give you updates on Robert next week. I had a really nice visit with Robert 
after the national championship game in the locker room. It was, you know, 45 minutes, it seemed like, or 40 minutes where we were able to talk to the players. And the cool thing was, and I think I've said that on the show, on the show before, but the really cool thing to me was that it did not seem like there was a finality about it. It seemed like this was just part of the process. And, you know, when people say to me, oh, well, man, you know, uh, that two-year run was great. I, 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 Georgia's still on a run. They're, they're, to me, they're still on a run. So, um, you know, I didn't get the sense that that anybody felt like it was over, that, oh, man, wow, two years, oh, let's take a break now. That's not what I felt. Um, I felt like there was a really promising future, and Arian Smith telling me we might even be better next year. And when Arian said that to me, I just – I don't know. I, I kind of looked around the room and I saw the way the guys were acting. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, it's going to be very important to keep Todd Munkin. You saw the reports on Tampa Bay have an interest. I, I think he has a home there. Uh, this is a tough one. If you're Coach Munkin, I don't know what the end game is. Does he want to be an NFL offensive coordinator again? If so, this would be the job because this is where a home is at. Or how does he feel about that job? Does he want to work three more years? Does he want to work 10 more years? There's a lot of factors that we don't know, but there's factors that would lend you to believe that he could leave. And then there's factors that would lend you to believe that he would stay. I mean, Carson Beck is ready. Carson Beck's got three years of studying under Todd Munkin. Does Todd Munkin want to finish the job? Because Carson Beck has first or second round NFL talent. Can he put it all together? Jake Fromm says prototypical NFL quarterback. What about Brock Vandegrift? There's another really bright, strong kid that's been in the system two years. And Gunnar Stockton, they're all here for Munkin. So I understand why he would leave. I understand why he would stay. And I just don't know the answer. But I know this. I know that Ingalls brings you this show on Monday nights. And I know how much they mean to me. And I know how much they mean to you. And I appreciate y'all's patronage and how well you treat our sponsor, Ingalls. So let's take a moment now. And recognize our sponsor, Ingles. When I come back, I'm going to look at the key losses next year's team and talk a little bit of basketball, just a little bit. So right now, let's take a moment and recognize our sponsor, Ingles. That Ingles sells more organics than any other store, or that they run their own dairy, or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else, or that they have energy smart stores, or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department, or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. And welcome back, everybody, and pouring through the comments. And listen, I understand, again, I want to be sensitive, and I want to address, and I want to be open, and I want to be honest. Folks, I've been in the business for 30 years, and that's a long time. And I'm, I'm proud of my career. I've worked a lot of really great organizations. Um, you know, Idaho Falls Post Register out of college, Lansing State Journal while in college, Aniston Star in Alabama covering Auburn, Mobile Register where I really got my affinity from the Senior Bowl and it covered Alabama there. Uh, the Knoxville News Sentinel covering the Tennessee Vols for years. Uh, M Live, which is kind of like AL.com, only for Michigan. Statewide entity, uh, Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor, Kalamazoo. Uh, you know, the SEC Country Project that we did out of Cox. And, uh, you know, Dog Nation. And, and, and I've done work with AJC. 
Um, and you know what? I look at my career like this and I'll just tell you, and, and without diving deep into the details, I'll just tell you that I've been very proud of my association uh, with AJC. I don't know, you know, into the inner workings of this or that. And I know this is an emotionally charged time, but I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of this company and um, in Cox Enterprises as a whole. And this is an emotional and it's difficult time. And uh, I, I understand that. So I just want to tell you, I understand that. And I understand hard feelings. I understand hurt. Um, I understand disappointment. I mean, I feel it right now. And it, it's, uh, it's tough. It's really tough. And um, I'm glad that we're all able to gather here every week and, and talk about Georgia football. I know you guys visit with BA every day on Dog Nation Daily. Um, you know, Dog Nation is you know, it's been, it's a great team. We've done it five years. Um, you know, we've got our crews coming up. We've got a lot to celebrate, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you these are tough times for everybody, you know, AJC, Dog Nation, um, all the entities that cover the University of Georgia, the fans, the administration, you know, we're all in this some way, shape or form. We all have our place, our job, our responsibility and what happens sucks for everybody. So if venting in here helps you, please do that. But Try not to be so hard on each other. Um, you know, times like this are tough and there's no reason to attack people. Um, different people have different perspectives for different reasons is what I would tell you. But try not to hurt other people as a result of it. There's already kind of been enough pain as it is. So I understand the conversation. I understand the dynamics of message boards. I've been target. I've been the guy criticized at times. Listen, I've written stories that people don't like from time to time. Um, I've been doing my job and it's not always easy. Uh, we're pretty spoiled covering the Georgia Bulldogs. I think you guys would admit that Kirby has built a dynasty and most all the time, all the news is great. But unfortunately, we've been dealt a harsh, um, a harsh dose of, of life and it's been tough. So I want to acknowledge that and I want to tell you guys I appreciate your comments but please try to take it easy on one another because um, it is hard for everybody in their own way. Um, that's just kind of my thoughts on that. Uh, now, moving forward, you know, it's interesting that I'm sitting here telling you that I think Georgia can three-peat and I'm looking at the guys they lost. I mean, I made this list, you know, they may have lost four more first rounders. I Um, Broderick Jones is a first round pick. Jalen Carter is a first round pick. Keely Ringo is a first round pick. Darnell Washington may be a first round pick. Um, I think Nolan Smith may be a first round pick. Kenny McIntosh, probably a second round pick or a third round pick. Uh, Chris Smith, I think could work his way up to the third round. Um, Warren McClendon, it's going to be tough. I think Warren needs to show well at the Senior Bowl. I think he could be a – and I think that um, Stetson Bennett could work his way into the fifth round with a good – maybe even the fourth round with a good Senior Bowl. Um, I think Jack Podlesny is another guy, the kicker. This is a really deep year for kickers. I, I hate that for Jack. 
but I wonder if Jack's decision to go pro was maybe affected by Rodrigo Blankenship uh, and the hip surgery, you know. And let's be honest about this. Playing at Georgia is tough. It's very demanding. And guys go to Georgia to go to the NFL. And when you have that opportunity to take that next step, uh, if you think you're ready, then you need to take it. Maybe the NFL is not ready for you because of the depth of kickers, if you're Jack, but you're ready for that. And you don't want to stick around Georgia if you feel like you're going to regress. So, um, yeah, you're talking what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You, you could have up to 10 guys drafted. My guess is you'll have eight. My guess is that you'll have eight. Uh, so um, that's kind of my thought there. Dom Blaylock's still in the portal. I know we're not really sure with where Dom's going to end up. You know, Dom is a guy, a fan favorite. I know a lot of fans were disappointed when he went in the portal. Uh but I think Dom's a guy that gave his all for Georgia. He's got two national championship rings to show for it. He worked very hard to come back from the knee injuries. You know, remember that part is Bloody Tuesday. And while that may be okay for defenders, maybe offensive guys don't like getting hit so much, especially if you're Dom. And I'm not saying this is the case. I didn't talk to him about this. I could be wrong. But Georgia goes through a lot of receivers and I think that's part of the reason why. And I think Georgia has a hard time attracting receivers. And I think that's part of the reason why. It's also part of the winning formula. So it's not for everybody. It's not for every position. Um, but I think Dom will land on his feet somewhere really good. You know, it is good that so many of these Georgia players that are transferring out are ending up in really good places. Uh, Nebraska getting Hood and, and Eric Gilbert and MJ Sherman, Texas getting A.D. Mitchell, Alabama getting Tresman Marshall, uh, Georgia Tech getting Brett Seether. And, and, and I'll get on my soapbox a little bit here. Um, I understand that there's a lot of challenges right now with loyalty for fans because the system's changed and kids can go other places. This is a change that was brought on because – Fans in general, the public in general, are at a time where they wanted the players to have rights. And there's no other business. This is what the Supreme Court said. I think Justice Brett Kavanaugh said this. There, there's no other business model out there where an employer has this much control over the employees. It's college football. So from a constitutional standpoint, you got to give these guys freedom, right? And you've got to give them the opportunity to make money like anybody else that's in a trade um, that produces revenue. And so here we are, right? We're constitutionally sound and it's changed the way our game looks. It's changed. Again, I told you earlier, I got on my soapbox and, you know, bull have been doing this, you know, 30 years, blah, blah, blah. Um, actually 35 technically, since I started my freshman year of college. Um, and, and, of all the sports I've covered, and I've done them all, um, you know, I went to the Olympics, I did NFL, I've covered NBA games, I was a NASCAR guy, all while doing college. I never gave up the college beat, but, um, you know, I've done professional golf, covered the Masters, played the course one time, got drawn in the media draw, you know, but I keep coming back to college football and college basketball. I like college basketball too. 
this is kind of where, you know, at the end of the day, this is what I know better than anything and covering four or five different schools, six different schools, I guess now. So I've gone through the changes just like you. And, and I've been reluctant at times and there's things I like about it and there's things I don't like about it, but I kind of listen to Kirby, right? Every coach you cover, every coach I've covered, and I've covered a lot of hall of fame coaches at different stops and Kirby is one of them. And if you're smart, you listen to what you can learn from coaches. There's a reason why Kirby Smart is making $112 million. He's a great leader and he's, he's a smart guy. And so when you listen to some of his principles and you listen to some of his philosophies and strategies, how could you not absorb some of that and, and learn some of that? And one of the things that listening to Kirby and understanding why he's so successful is he doesn't worry about things that he can't change. Like he may not like this rule and he may not like that rule, but Kirby says, look, this is the hand I'm dealt. I don't have time to be worrying or complaining about it. It's my job to figure out how to play this hand I'm dealt better than anybody. He just doesn't make time for it. It's all about efficiency for Kirby. Okay. It's very linear. Does this help me win a championship? Yes or no. He's not going to get distracted and waste time on stuff that does not help him win championships. So the last three years, when I sounded off on here or on Brandon's show or on whatever radio show I was on, Feinbaum, SEC Network, about the Jacksonville game. And listen, it doesn't have anything to do with how I feel about Jacksonville. It has to do with Georgia trying to become a dynasty. Does it help to play a home game 380 miles away? No, it doesn't. It does not. So I get where Kirby's coming from. And I looked at it and went, boom, I'm there. Now, some people are like, oh, but you don't understand. I've got memories. I don't care about your memories. I don't care about your feelings. And know what? Neither does Kirby Smart. Kirby's got memories there too, by the way. He wants to win championships. And so he makes decisions and he expresses beliefs that are going to help his program win championships. And that is part of the magic of Kirby Smart is that this is not a guy that worries about feelings or distractions. And he's very careful with how he allocates his time. And that's why he's able to do so much. Now, look, Kirby's not perfect. Okay. And Kirby's not for everybody, right? Some people can't hack Kirby smart. Some people don't like how combative he is with the media and how sometimes he can get a little snappy and snippy. I think it's fun. I've covered a lot of coaches like that. Listen, one of the first interviews I did with Tom Izzo, he came down my throat on me, both publicly and in a phone call, like an hour and 45-minute phone call. Let me tell you, there was a lot of words in that conversation that me and Tom will never say to each other again, but it had to happen. And he made it very clear where he was coming from. And conversely, I made it clear where I was coming from on a story. And you have to kind of go through that sometimes. You have to find out what the other guy's about. And I've had differences with Kirby. I've had public differences. I've had private differences. Nothing huge, nothing horrible, nothing get out of my program or me calling him out any name, nothing like that. Just differences. Oh, I think this. Well, I think that. Well, you think this and I think that. We're going to agree to disagree move forward. Okay. When you work in this business that closely around somebody that dynamic and that driven, it's going to happen. 
you've heard the coaches say they have differences on the field, right? And they have differences in the coaching office. The thing I like about Kirby is if you got a difference with him, he gets it out, you move on. He doesn't waste time, all right? Now, if Kirby thought somebody was a bad dude that was operating with anything less than integrity, they wouldn't be sitting in that room, okay? You take a look at the, some of these guys on Twitter, and the ones that are in the room credentialed are the guys that have Kirby's trust. If they didn't, they wouldn't be in the room. Okay. And it's not for everybody. Dealing with Georgia on a day to day basis is not for everybody. You got to understand that. You got to know what you're signing up for. If you can't take the heat, don't go in that room. If you can't handle Kirby, if you don't really want to know what he thinks, don't ask him. Because sometimes you're going to ask a question and he's not going to like it. But you feel like you got to ask it. He's going to tell you what he thinks. I respect that. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't mind it. I think it's funny. You know, last year, somebody, I told Kirby, you'd have 15 guys drafted. He said, there's no way that's going to happen. You guys probably remember the video. If that happens, you know, blah, blah. I'm not going to come back and say, I told you so to Kirby. Sorry. Come on, man. No, that's not why I'm in this. You know, come on. You know, Kirby was just being Kirby. And I want that honest off the cuff response from him. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Some people do. Some people get their feelings hurt. I don't. Because Kirby's intention is not to hurt anybody's feelings. It's to express how he feels about an issue or how he feels about a question. It's never personal with him. It's business. That's what he's about. Football is his business. Okay? The emotion and the personal part comes with him and his team. That's his family. All right? So... There's a lot of dynamics here and I'm trying to explain them and it's kind of hard because unless you've sat in that room across from him for five years and, and, and gone through it with other coaches at different levels, um, it's kind of hard to put Kirby into perspective. But I appreciate, I appreciate who and what Kirby is, probably more than most people in the media. Kirby's not winning a lot of National Coach of the Year awards. That bothers me, okay? I pitched him hard. To my organization, I wanted Kirby to win the Football Writers Association Coach of the Year. Sonny Dykes won it, won it instead. Sonny's immensely popular with the media. Um, you know, you guys saw Sonny Dykes. I mean, he's a classy, fun, nice guy. I don't think he's ever had a bad word for anybody. You know, Kirby's kind of gruff. He's kind of tough, right? And and also, uh, the other, the main reason, though, is people expect him to win. Well, he's supposed to win, they say. I said, well, I don't care if he's supposed to win. The guy lost 15 guys to the NFL draft. I mean, he's winning with a former walk-on quarterback. I mean, that's not C.J. Stroud there. And people get upset when I say that. Don't get upset. Give Stetson credit. Don't get upset. Give him credit for that. That's not meant to be an insult. That is meant to be a compliment. Okay? Not everybody has C.J. Stroud arm talent. That is NFL franchise talent there, okay? Stetson just gets it done. There's something about that intangible, right? So that's what I also tell people about the Stetson story. Don't feel like you got to make up revisionist history. Don't feel like you got to apologize for the guy. Appreciate him even more. Appreciate the raw story. Nobody needs to make excuses for Stetson Bennett. He's proven a lot of us wrong, including myself. All right. I didn't think that Stetson could throw for 4,000 yards in a season. He did. 
I thought last year, and this came out in a clip, right? So when I do these shows, and I do about 10 of them a week, they, they tape record and they do the audio and all this stuff. And it's, it's nice that people care what I think. I'm just an opinion. Granted, maybe a learned opinion, but I'm one more opinion out there. People edit these tapes. Well, he, well here he said this, and they, they just play the snippets of it. You know, well, why did Mike say that, uh, you know, Stetson had to play better? Because the head coach said that after the Ohio State game. Because Stetson Bennett said he played 30 minutes of bad football. All right. I'm repeating what the head coach and Stetson said. But you don't know that from the snippet of the interview, right? And, oh, well, there's Mike talking bad. Mike's bringing you reality. You guys watch the same team I have for five years. Stetson wasn't great all the time. I don't know what quarterback is. Stetson had some bad moments. I think Tom Brady's had some bad moments. Now, Stetson's not Tom Brady, all right? But the way we cover Georgia, the way we discuss it on our show, with you in the comments, on our uh, Dog Nation forum boards, on Dog Nation Daily every day, we cover this program beat by beat, heartbeat by heartbeat. Some of these people come in and watch the national championship game, and they check out. We won't see them again until the college football playoffs next year, right? So Stetson's had ups and downs, but so's everybody. So what? All right. Part of what makes Stetson successful is that he's resilient. So this business about, oh, Stetson was coming at the media. Y'all just said everything bad about him. Guys, can you name me a quarterback that hasn't been criticized at any level of relevance? Can you give me just one? Okay. I, as a fan, back in my youth, like John Elway. Thought he was the guy. But there were plenty of times Elway was criticized. My favorite player. And I I guess I'd get a little, you know, Brent Musburger said this, you know. I get it, right? But nobody said anything worse about Stetson Bennett than been said about anybody. Bryce Young was told he was too small. I was one of the people. Bryce Young shut me up, right? I said, oh, man, this guy's never going to get through a season healthy. Got through last year healthy. Uh, what were they? Number three in the preseason. They were favored in every game. I, I don't know who got proved wrong. I mean, I didn't hear anybody say anybody else should start this year. Um, so, I, I, you know, this whole proving people wrong thing, I know that's kind of a Kirby circle the wagons thing. But the media, by the way, was who voted Stetson number four for the Heisman. There's like 950 people that vote and like, 900 of them are media members. So the idea that the media did Stetson wrong, that's that's bull. That's just not true. Uh, the SEC coaches didn't vote Stetson first team all SEC. So, again, this whole media versus Stetson thing is contrived. And further, I've interviewed Stetson enough times to know this. He don't care what people think. And he's told us that. The outside world wants it to be this Stetson the underdog against the world story. That's not how Stetson sees himself. Stetson will tell you. And he said this at SEC Media Days. If you have to get your hype, yourself hyped up because of what people on the outside are saying, then what are you going to do when people on the outside aren't being critical? You've got to be your own motivator. 
So that is another false narrative. It's convenient. It's like what people want. People are trying to turn Stetson into what they want him to be instead of who he is. Stetson's a guy that's always believed in himself. If he didn't believe in himself, he wouldn't be this resilient. If he was really affected by the outside noise, he would have broken down a long time ago. But this is a self-assured, confident guy who doesn't worry what the outside world is saying. And that's what drives him. So when Kirby and Munkin knocked him down to third and fourth on the depth chart, not the media, the head coach and the offensive coordinator, when they dropped him down on the depth chart, he kept believing in himself. That's the real story. Not that the media hates Stetson. That's garbage. The media loves Stetson. You know, there was like a half a dozen guys from George that went up to the Heisman ceremony to write about him. There were tons of guys writing about Stetson on the Zoom. I'm writing about his agents. I'm writing about his career. If people didn't like Stetson, they wouldn't be writing about him. So I know people want to believe what they want to believe. But, you know, hey, I'm here to give you some truth tonight. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. I get it. But this concept that the media doesn't like Stetson and that he's been any more criticized than Jake Fromm was, you think Stetson's been more criticized than Jake Fromm? I don't. I don't think so. Not at all. Do I think Stetson's been more criticized than C.J. Stroud? No. C.J. Stroud couldn't beat Michigan. Do you know how much he's had to hear that? Didn't win a Big Ten championship, right? So this concept, though, that there's been this out-of-line criticism, absolutely not true. Every quarterback gets criticized. Every quarterback gets criticized it comes with the territory it's just like being a head coach and you've heard Kirby say it quarterback gets too much credit quarterback gets too much blame and the thing that I like about Stetson is that when he played like garbage he said he played like garbage he said that he played 30 minutes of bad football against Ohio State and you know when he said it when I asked him Stetson what is it about you in the fourth quarter and your ability to come up clutch that was the question And his answer was, I don't know. I've got to look at the film. I felt like I played 30 minutes of bad football tonight. That's how he answered my question about being a clutch quarterback in the fourth quarter. Stetson kept it real with himself. He told Marty Smith that he played like a double S S in the game. So people need to back off of the let's just hate and blame the media for everything because it's just not true. And you all know that. Okay. I think most of you know that um, it's going to be different seeing Georgia football without Stetson Bennett next year. It's going to be really different. Um, I see Jonathan Moore said, Jake didn't get nearly as much criticism. <laughs> oh man. Jake, I don't know where you were Jack uh, or Jake, but uh, man, Jake Fromm couldn't go more than one day without hearing how Justin Fields was a better quarterback. So y'all, uh, I don't, I shouldn't say y'all, but man, Jake, Jake really got drugged. Um, and he, you know, another guy that handled it really well. When you look at all this attrition and we talk about 10 guys that could be drafted, uh, looking at the number of guys in the portal, uh, one, two, three, four, Tresman Marshall, Alabama five. Someone asked me this earlier. I meant to circle back to this Glenn Schumann. Someone asked me about Glenn Schumann. And I think he's staying at Georgia for two reasons. One, I think his wife just had a baby and it's not exactly a great time to move, number one. But also, Glenn is Kirby's protege and and Glenn is doing an incredible job. I don't know what going to Alabama would give Glenn that Georgia's not. I mean, Georgia is the two-time defending national champion, all right? Not Alabama. 
Alabama is as shaky as it's been in a long time under Saban, probably going back to 2007 or eight. Um, I don't, I just don't see why Glenn would go there. Um, wife just had a baby. He's doing great things here. And then I saw on his tweet about Tresman that Tresman will be missed. That doesn't sound like a guy that's going to Alabama with Tresman Marshall. So I think you can rest easy on Glenn Schumann. I would lower the alert level on a scale of one to five. Maybe the alert went up to about a three. I'd bring it back down to a one and a half. I think you're pretty safe. Uh, Munkin's probably at about a three. Um, that's one that, you know, it could go either way, but but Munkin expressed how much he enjoys working for Kirby, how much he enjoys Georgia. I know he's invested in these quarterbacks. I'm sure he'd like to see the fruits of his labor uh, with Carson, Brock, Gunner. Um, you know, these kids all stayed for him. They all believe in him. Um, and he's dominating college football. I think Todd Munkin is the preeminent offensive coordinator. I think he's got uh, in- infinite job security here. Whereas in the NFL, you guys know it, one or two bad years and you're packing your bags and moving on. And um, I want to see what Todd Munkin can do uh, with other quarterbacks. You know, JT was 7-0 and and set a single season record for passing rating. Uh, then Stetson came in and what was he, 29-3? and and, and he also has a season record. Um, so I don't know why Carson Beck couldn't set records or Brock Vandergriff or Gunner. Um, so I kind of hope Munkin stays just for those reasons. Cause I think he's doing unbelievable work and I know the Georgia fan base is great to him. So circling back around, uh, I think next year's team is going to be really, really good. And I think the schedule is really conducive, uh, to another championship run. Now remember, and, and I, I answered a lot of questions about this. You know, oh, well, Georgia doesn't play anybody. Well, remember, Georgia was supposed to play at Oklahoma. And the SEC basically said, yeah, you're going to have to lose that game because Oklahoma's joining the league. And because of all this contract stuff going on, I think that game was collateral damage. Uh, I wish that, that, that Josh Brooks and Oklahoma's AD, uh, Joe Castiglione, could have moved that to a neutral site um, and saved the game. But – I guess it's not meant to be. And as a result of that, Georgia's got a pretty weak schedule next year. So uh, when it comes to non-conference teams, I mean, I think Georgia Tech's the toughest team. And I do think Georgia Tech is going to be tougher to contend with. You've heard me say that in here before. I think Brett Key is a really, really, really good coach. And you saw what they did against Georgia this year. I mean, you know, I don't think Georgia – did Georgia score till the second quarter of that game, middle of second quarter? Hard to believe it was the same Georgia team that played TCU that played Tech, right? Um, just goes to show you how good Georgia can be when they're locked in. And that was their best game of the year. And I just keep saying 65 to seven. Are y'all like me? Do you just keep going, man, was it really 65 to seven? I mean, that's like, that's like a blowout against some FCS. I mean, they didn't even beat, uh, uh, who was that? Sanford that bad. That's twice. They beat him twice as bad as they beat. It's just 65 to seven. And it wasn't even like, I mean, they had the four-string running back in there. The fourth-string running back scored two touchdowns. It's like they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop scoring. Like Kirby couldn't put the brakes on. Those guys were hungry. And I think you're going to see a lot of that carry over. So there's a lot of promise and a lot of enthusiasm, obviously, for Georgia football still. Um, man, I feel like I'm going through a gamut of emotions tonight. We've, we've talked about so many things, and I've expressed a lot of different uh, opinions and giving you a lot of like background on how things really are. Again, people want to believe what they want to believe. And it, listen, there's somebody out there that'll tell you whatever you want to hear. All you got to do is just keep scrolling through Twitter or changing news channels. Right. 
I don't know any other way just to tell you that how I feel. And I appreciate that you guys appreciate me for that. Some people don't agree with me, but they at least like that I give my opinions. Thank you to those people. I appreciate that you guys are good with that. You know, even when you don't agree, you're all pretty cool about it and let me know. Um, but I promise you, I'm telling you what I believe to be true based on my years of experience, the different people I've covered and what I've seen these last five years. It's been incredible. Um, I'm going to take a look and see if there's any questions or comments in here. Um, Brian McPhail talking about keeping your foot on the gas for four quarters. It does make me wonder how many of these other games where Kirby's just run the ball in the fourth quarter could have been 65 to seven, right? You think to yourself, all those other games that Kirby's run the ball, what was the game? Kentucky where he ran it on 16 out of the last 17 plays. Uh, what was it against Tennessee? They ran the ball 21 out of the last 25 plays were running plays. What if they would have kept throwing and or or just playing hard and not doing all the subbing and you saw it? Yeah, complimentary football, Kirby's belt says. Um, Garrett, why am I so hostile tonight, Mike? Gosh, guys, I hope I didn't come across as hostile. I, I try to come across with my convictions and I speak from the heart. And, you know, I actually feel more emotional than anything tonight. And I think I feel emotional because a lot of this has kind of been percolating in me over the last couple of weeks. And you guys know, again, we've, we've gone over it a couple of times. We don't need to keep rehashing it, but we've all gone through a lot. Okay. I think we've all kind of run the gamut of emotion over the last couple of weeks. So um, that probably explains my disposition tonight. Um, and just trying to be honest with y'all, Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Um, I appreciate you saying you got to go and, and yeah, Brandon's got a great show every day at 10 AM. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, uh, Daryl Fleming wants to know is, is Jeremy going to Alabama? I, you know, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like my, relationship with jeremy is this when we when jeremy started doing the show this year it just kind of happened i don't know that i've ever really told you the story so i think last spring i saw him go on like crane and company and they do a podcast out of atlanta i think jake crane i think he does a good job i've been a guest on there and i thought well gosh if jeremy did his show i wonder if he'd do mine so i still had jeremy's number from when i covered him at tennessee i was there that spring when he was there um before i came over to dog nation and so I just called him. I said, hey, do you want to come on my show? And you guys saw the show. I think it was last June or July. And it went pretty well. And then preseason show, I said, well, let me see if I get Jeremy on for my preseason show. It went well again. And on a lark, I said, well, you want to come on next week? He said, sure. So it was kind of like week to week, the first couple few weeks. And then like two or three weeks in, I said, do you want to just do the show this year? Like, He's like, can we do that? And I said, I mean, I guess so. I mean, why not? I mean, the cool thing about it was, and at first a lot of people didn't understand it. They're like, why do you got Jeremy Pruitt on? It's like, well, he coached with Kirby for six years, so he knows Kirby really well. He coached at Georgia, um, so he knows Georgia really well. He knows Nick Saban really well, and Alabama looks like they're going to be the biggest threat. He coached at Tennessee, and Tennessee may be the biggest threat in the East. So Jeremy has knowledge about all these people. And then on top of it, I hope you guys enjoyed him as much as I did. I, th I think he was pretty fun. I think he enjoyed doing it. He'd never done anything like that. Jeremy Pruitt had never been some media commentator or media darling. That's not his style. But he did tell me this. Um, he said, Mike, I want to do it because I want to be in front of the Georgia fans. He told me that 
the two years that he was here didn't end the way he wanted. He didn't get to finish the job like he wanted. And he felt bad that he didn't, that the fans didn't get to see the best of him. And I said, well, all right then. So you saw it. You saw the best of Jeremy. You saw Jeremy say, go dogs on this show. You saw Jeremy pulling for Georgia throughout the season. Now, how cool and unique was that, that for one season, because of all these crazy circumstances, you know, what happened with him leaving Tennessee, and then he and then he coached with the Giants the next year, and then that staff wasn't retained. So he had this year off with his family. And he spent it with us on Monday nights on Dog Nation. Like, he, there was a lot of things Jeremy Pruitt could be doing with his time. And he spent it with us talking football and kind of sharing with us how Kirby – is and was and what the dogs were thinking on week to week and breaking down different offenses and it was just it's just one of those once in a lifetime things like he'll, he'll probably never do a show like that again but this year it worked and it was part of the formula that we had and and again you all made that possible he i'm sure he read the comments i'm sure he saw what people were saying and you supported him and and you brought out the best in him in this format so i enjoyed it i know you guys enjoyed it it was another really cool dog nation thing that we did that was very unique. And um, so I guess circling back to your question, I've never really pushed Jeremy for personal details into that kind of stuff. He's got to make a professional decision, whether he is or he isn't going out. But I don't know. I don't know that. Um, I don't know where he's at on his case with Tennessee. That wasn't what our relationship was about. Our relationship was about talking about Georgia football and him interacting with Georgia audience through me to answer your questions. And that's kind of where I kept it. That was my professional, and that's the respect that you show somebody. To me, that's how I do it. I, I have, you know, a respect. Like when people say, oh, do you like this guy? Do you like, well, you, you like them all. You respect them all. I talked about Kirby earlier. Look, I've got a good relationship with Kirby. He knows where I'm coming from. I know where he's coming from. Nothing's personal. And um, I think there's a good, healthy, mutual respect there. People watch the press conferences and go, oh, he must not like you. He reacted. That doesn't mean Kirby doesn't like you. It's mean that's how he answered your question. Don't worry about that stuff. Um, you know, Barry asks about responses to an AJC. You know, here's the thing, folks. I mean, again, we all have our roles and our jobs. And I just hope I just hope y'all can appreciate and understand that. It's not thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, it's just, look, everybody's trying to get through this and do their jobs. So I appreciate you being sensitive to that. Um, man, y'all were just great tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the way the tenor, I think you guys really got it. Um, yeah, we're all moving forward. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up tonight. I want to thank you guys. I'm going to uh, be at Tennessee. I'm going to see if the George Bulldog basketball team can pull an upset and Thompson bowling arena covered a lot of basketball there as, as the beat writer when Bruce Pearl was the head coach. I'm impressed with Mike white. They kind of got out and head stole a few games that they probably shouldn't have. They let one slip away against Vandy. Tennessee is not a game they should win. Let's be very clear about that. If they can stay within single digits, that, that would be good. Tennessee is pretty doggone awesome this year. But South Carolina Saturday at, at, uh, at Stegman is a big game. And the dogs are going to try to get some momentum and correct some things from Vandy. So check it out. Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Georgia at number four, Tennessee. Opportunity game. It's not like football. Um, and then South Carolina on the weekend. We'll be following that closely. And then I'll be in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. The thing to keep your ear to the ground for, if and when Stetson accepts the Senior Bowl invitation, this would be a huge, huge platform for Stetson Bennett.
to get to compete with the best in the country in front of the NFL scouts. So tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily. Don't forget Wednesday night, Jeff Centel does a great job with his recruiting show. Uh, check out our stories on dognation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeGriffith32. Everybody have a great night and have a great week.